weeks, and uh, we're talking about the blessed life, the blessed life. And uh, if you want to, you can go ahead in your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 9, book of Luke, chapter 9. And I just want to say, before we get into that scripture here this morning, that, that I, I'm a math person. My, my degree is, it's in accounting. I was, my time be, uh, when I was the youth, the youth pastor here, I was also an accountant. That's what I went to school for. And, um, I think, I just think in numbers. I don't know if there's anybody else in here kind of just have a math brain, kind of just think in numbers a bit. And, um, you know, there's people, sometimes they, they ask me things like, you know, are, are, are you for this? You know, they kind of give me a, a scenario or something that, that they're wanting to build or wanting to do and want to know, are you for this? Do you, uh, would you like to expand in, in this way or that way? And for me, uh, for me, when people are asking me these questions, you know, about, you know, should I remodel or should we, uh, do something here at the church? You know, that, um, for me, unless, until they say a number, until they say a number, I don't know if I'm for it or if I'm against it. I mean, I can be for it philosophically, but I may not be for it because you might be thinking a completely different number than what I'm thinking. And, you know, it's almost as if, like, you've watched or heard Charlie Brown. I was kind of going back a bit, but it's like, it's like Charlie Brown's teacher. Uh, it, you're, you're saying all this, wah, 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 $4,000, and all I heard was the $4,000. That's, that's what I heard. And at that point, I can decide, maybe, maybe I can decide if we have, uh, if we have, uh, kind of the good context there. And in the same way, this, this message here this morning, the title of this message is The Principles of Multiplication. The Principles of Multiplication. See, multiplication, it's a mathematical term. And, you know, just like addition, subtraction, division, Multiplication, though, I would say multiplication, it's, it's better than addition, or it's greater than addition when it comes to our resources. And, and our God is a God of multiplication. Amen. He's a God who can multiply. See, multiplication is, is we see this uh, throughout Scripture, how God will multiply what we have. He can take what we have. He doesn't just add to it, but he can multiply it. I believe that God can multiply our resources. He can multiply whatever we have and can give to him. So let me just, just ask you a question this morning. Would it be all right with you if, if God were to multiply your resources? Man, would that be all right? We're going to turn to Luke chapter 9. We're going to begin reading here in verse number 12. Verse number 12 says, When the day began to wear away, Then came the twelve, and they said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and the country round about, and lodge, and go get some victuals. In other words, words, go get some food. They're hungry. For we are here in a desert place. But he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy some meat for all this people. For they were about 5,000 men. Okay, this is a very uh, familiar passage here. You've probably heard this at some point. Um, 
this feeding of, of 5,000, or at least that's what most people believe. Most people, when they read this, they're, that Jesus fed 5,000 people, right? That's not the case. Jesus didn't feed 5,000 people. See, at that time in Jewish culture, the way that they would count large crowds was they would just count the men, or they would count the families. They would say it here, 5,000 Men And so this wasn't a crowd of 5,000 people. It says there were 5,000 men. This means there were 5,000 families. If you include their spouse, if you include if they had some children, and we're, we're looking at somewhere upwards of 20, 25,000 people who have gathered there to hear Jesus this day speaking to them. That's a lot of people. 20,000 people, 25,000 people. And Jesus is speaking to them that day. And, and so when we get in our mind, uh, you know, Jesus feeding 5,000 people, that's a great miracle. But this is even much larger than just 5,000 people. See, in the Bible, it, it backs that up. I, I'm not just throwing this out there. It's like, well, maybe they just said men. And if we look at this in the parallel passage in Matthew 14, it says, that there were about 5,000 men besides women and children. That's, that's the phrasing it uses in Matthew when it's talking about this, uh, this occurrence. So there were, there was more than 5,000 who were there. And so we could, I mean, you can refer to this as feeding the 5,000 as long as you realize this is feeding 5,000 families. That's what Jesus is, is feeding. And he did this with five loaves of bread and two fish. I would say that our God is a God of multiplication. Now let me, let's just go back. Verse 14. Uh, I'm just going to continue reading just a couple more verses here. It says, for they were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down by fifties in a company. I just want to point out Jesus is a math person as well. He said, make them sit down by, fi- by fifties in a company. Verse 15, and they did so, and they made them all sit down, and he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them, and break, and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude, and they did eat, they were all filled, and there was taken up of fragments that remained to them twelve baskets. Okay, now again, I'm a math person. When I, when I see the 12 baskets, I'm thinking like, why, why are there 12 baskets left over? And you can, you can go through and, and we see, um, uh, say, uh, those biblical scholars, they, they propose all these different ideas of why there were 12 baskets. In fact, that region that they were in, it was known as the region of 12. But, uh, I think, I think personally, the reason that there were 12 baskets left over is because Jesus was, he was giving the 12 disciples each a doggy bag to go home. That's what I think. Now, here's what I like to do. When I, when I read these stories, I like to kind of put myself in the Bible story. You ever done that? Just kind of put yourself right there in this Bible story. And I just, I just want to kind of bring out, you know, what this would have been like if you were one of the disciples. Just imagine, if you're one of the 12 disciples who was there, here you are, you're on the Messiah search committee, and you're thinking, you know, we've got a great candidate here. He's been healing the sick, he's been 
going out. He's raised the dead. He's, he's even walked on water, which that's just a bonus messianic sign. There was nothing in scripture that said he would walk on water, but we got a pretty good one here. And so Jesus is, is here and, and we've been following him around. And here, now we're at this, this, this service where it's like, this is the highest attended service we've ever been in. They would say, it, it appears from what we have in scripture that this event right here was the largest crowd that ever gathered during the ministry of Jesus, which isn't hard to believe when you realize there's 20, 25,000 people who have gathered there. And so we have them, they, they you know, they're just imagine yourself as one of the disciples. Wow. Look at all of these people. We've, we've been chosen by this guy to have him invest in us. He's investing in me. And here we are in this service with all of these people. And, and our guy is teaching to them. They, they all came to hear him. So all these people. I mean, this is phenomenal. And uh, let's just say that they've had some worship. They, they turn it over to the guest speaker. The Messiah is going to come up. He's going to speak. And, and here they are. And, you know, this service started at 10 o'clock or 1045. It's right. It should be, it should be ending around, around noon. Somewhere in there. And so he's speaking. It gets noon. He hasn't wrapped up yet. That's all right. He's the Messiah. He can talk. He keeps speaking. One o'clock. He's still going. Two o'clock. He's still talking. Three o'clock goes by. Four o'clock. Five o'clock goes by. He's, he's still talking. Six o'clock. Okay. I'm not, and I'm not exaggerating necessarily the text. I don't know exactly how long it went, but in verse 12, it did say that when the day began to wear away, he'd been talking for a long time. You know what that, that means that when the day began to wear away, what that means in the Greek text, it means when the day began to wear away, like it was almost nighttime, they're ready to go. And so, again, this is just, just my imagination. When I put myself into this story, I think that the disciples, they, they finally just kind of form this, this committee, this, this little committee amongst themselves. And they're like, hey, are you hungry? Because I'm hungry. Are you guys, let's, um, I mean, how can we get Jesus to stop? And one of them, you know, maybe, maybe if I told him that I was hungry, that he would stop. And I don't know, I don't think that's a good idea. But he does seem to really care for the people. So how about we tell him that the people are hungry? That sounds like a good plan. So I don't know how they chose, but they chose somebody, one of them, out of the committee. And they say, would you go and interrupt Jesus in the middle of his, his speaking and tell him that the people are hungry? And I just, you know, I'm sure that he will, he really cares for the people. So he'll stop and then we can all go get something to eat. And so they send that one person up. Imagine that. He's got to stop Jesus in the middle of his teaching. Imagine you're the one. You were chosen to go and interrupt Jesus in the middle of teaching to this great big crowd of 20,000 people. And you go up there and you're speaking. And you say, you know, excuse me, Lord. You know, everything that you've been teaching, really, really good stuff. This whole series of messages, I mean... I mean, we've, we've, you know, usually most speakers, they like, they take this over a series over full weeks. You, you just packed all this in today. This is really good. It's, uh, but, but we were just talking and I mean, I mean, I could go all night. I'm loving this. 
I could go all night. I'm not hungry at all, but we're thinking that the people might be hungry. And so it's getting really late. The restaurants are just about to close. And so, you know, we're just wondering if maybe you might want to wrap this up so that the people can go get something to eat. And the Lord looks back at him. He says, oh, you're concerned about the people. Yes, Lord, it's all about the people. It's all about the people. And then maybe you've never seen this, but the Lord, he he turns back to that disciple who came to him and he says, "Okay, if you're really concerned about the people, then let's you go give them something to eat. I don't think that quite went how he planned for it to go. He comes back to the search committee and he's or to the committee there and they're, they're like, okay, so you went, I, I saw you talking to him. What did he say? Is he going to dismiss the people? Cause he keeps on going now. And they say, he says, uh, I told him exactly what you said that I should tell him that the people are hungry, but okay. What did he say? He said that we should go feed them. And they look out over the crowd. How are we going to feed all of these people? And so they go searching through the crowd. There's got to be some kind of food out here. And they finally come to this one little boy who's just like, he's got this bag of Long John Silver's number two meal with like two fish and five rolls. That's all he's got. And so they're like, okay, I guess this will work. I guess this will work. And they take that. And and again, they're, they're just talking. And they're like, well... This is all that we could find through in all these people. And then somebody just speaks up and says, that's exactly it. That's all that you could find. Go tell Jesus this is all that we can find. This is all that we have. Well, he told us to give him something to eat. Well, just tell him this is all that we have. Okay. So they go and they bring this to Jesus. I mean, in their mind, I'm sure that when they bring this to Jesus, they're thinking he's finally going to dismiss the service. That's not what happens. Because when they bring this food to Jesus, Jesus, he looks at it and he says, that'll work. I see what you have. This is all that you have. And this will work. And that's exactly what God wants from us. He sees what you have. He says, that's all that you have. That'll work. Bring it to me. Let me bless it. And we can see it multiply. Bring it to me, let me bless it, and then we can have it multiply. This is the, this is the, whole, uh, the whole crux of everything that we've been teaching about living the blessed life, is that we bring our resources to Jesus, and he blesses them. And we, live, we can live a blessed life. We're not living under a curse. We're not living where we have stolen what is his, but we bring it so that he can bless the rest Amen. So Jesus has instructed him at this point, instructed this disciple who's come to him, brought him this food. He says, go and and get the people sitting in groups of 50. So they go and they get them in groups of 50. And and this is, uh, you know, again, just my my personal opinion. But but I think that maybe as they're setting them in these groups of 50, that there's one of the disciples that thinks back to a story that was in the Old Testament. And he thinks, you know, hey, guys, I I think I might know what's going to happen. Do you remember in 2 Kings 4 when Elisha fed 100 men with just 20 loaves of bread? 
that bread, it multiplied. They even had some left over for the next for their next meal. And, you know, I think that that's in the Bible. Elisha did that. I think that Jesus is getting ready to do that. I think they're, they're looking back and, you know, by the way, those 20 loaves, it, it says these were the first fruits that they, they brought these first fruits, these loaves, and God can multiply the first fruits. And he multiplied what they had brought in their first fruits. And so I'm sure that, that they, they started thinking about this. You know, I bet, I bet that, that Jesus is going to bless this and he's going to take whatever we had and he's going to multiply it. See, that's exactly what, uh, many Christians believed what happened is that Jesus, when he prayed, that he's the one who multiplied it. But if we look in verse 16, it says that he blessed it, he broke, and then he gave it to the disciples to distribute it out to the multitude. So Jesus prays over the loaves of bread. He breaks it. And he hands half of it back to Peter. And then he says, take this half loaf of bread and go feed the multitude. Jesus blessed it. He handed it back to the disciple. And then he says, you go. And it's in their hand. Now, I'm sure if it was me, Peter, he goes and he's looking at this. And he's like, this isn't how I thought it would happen. So let me just start going down the row. And he's like hands the first person just take a, a little bit right a little tiny bit just take take a little bit and next person take a little bit take a little bit and take a little bit and it finally gets to and, and then i don't know exactly at what point but at some point he sees that this is multiplying and that what he has in his hands it keeps multiplying and multiplying and he's like okay i guess you can take as much as you want you can take as much as you want it was in the hands of the disciples that are really multiplied Jesus blessed it. He gave it. He broke it. He gave it to to the disciples. And it was in their hands that it began to multiply. See, this is the miracle. It didn't happen in, in the hands of Jesus. It happened in the hands of the disciples. When they gave to Jesus first, he blessed it. He gave it to them. And then they were able to give over and above of what they had given to Jesus. This is exactly what happens with our resources. When we give to Jesus, when we give, he blesses everything else that we have in our hands. And then there's this principle of multiplication. And I'm just going to keep it really simple with two principles, two principles of multiplication that I want to mention today. The first is that it has to be blessed before it can multiply. We've already learned this uh, throughout this series, that the way our finances are blessed and we've seen this over and over in scripture is that the 10% goes to the house of God. That's the tithe. And, and, and we see that, uh, in Hebrews, it even says that Jesus blesses that. He receives it and he blesses our finances. So you give first and then he can multiply. And that's how, that's how it's blessed. The second principle of multiplication, it has to be given away before it can multiply. So the first principle refers to tithing when you bring your first 10%. The second principle refers to offerings that you give away. What would have happened if Jesus would have prayed for that? He hands the half back to Peter and then Peter would have just gobbled it up. He was just eating. I mean, he's hungry. I don't think, I, I, I don't think that it would have multiplied. That it has to be given away. 
has to be given away and then it multiplies. We have this principle of giving, this principle of giving to others, giving away over and above the tithe. And I, I have just seen this play out in my life where God has blessed when I have been faithful to God, that God has blessed everything else that I have. That when I am faithful to God and I live under the principles uh, that, that God has for managing our finances and, and doing it in such a way that we would honor Him, then, then He will bless and multiply the rest. He's, uh, not, not to say that, uh, I mean, I'm nowhere close to being a millionaire. That's not the, that's not the idea here, but the fact that God has always been there. He's always provided. God has always made a way. When I am faithful to Him, He is faithful to me. Amen? You know, I've given some examples. I've given uh, throughout this series some different things that uh, God has, has done in my life and ways that he has blessed me. But I'm going to give an opportunity to just a couple of uh, a couple of other members in our church just to share a testimony of what God has done for them as they've been faithful to God in giving. And first, we're going to have um, Brian Turnbow is going to come. and he, He's just going to share a testimony of what God has done for him. Amen. He's been faithful to him. Praise the Lord. Um, first of all, I want to give God praise and glory. Um, the, the last thing I want is, is the, the idea from you guys that this is something I, um, that I've done or um, that I'm boasting or proud or, or, or whatever. Um, it, it happened the way God, or pastor has said, that, that he has blessed it. Um, the the blessing of of life the the the, the principles and that pastor has been talking about they they don't happen overnight um, King David was not the man after uh, after God's own heart after one afternoon of, um, of of tending the sheep and playing the harp he did it over and over and over again and it, I think of it like this God was like what do I do with this guy. Um, we've had King Saul. He he messed up. It, it, and if and if I understood the scripture right, and and I could totally be wrong, but it was within three years of Saul being the king that he usurped um, Samuel's service. It took him three years to mess up, and God at that point said, "I'm going to take the kingdom from you." And so, and it was fifteen whatever years that that that. Um, God had um, anointed David, and so it, it took for a long time, and, um, you know, and in Solomon, it, you know, the, Solomon was the same way. The, the, his kingdom was over and above any kingdom that has ever been or is now, and that didn't happen, you know, just over overnight. Um, so... About 25 years ago, um, I, I pastor at the time had was teaching a, a similar lesson like this, and um, I, I, we were talking. I was talking to my wife, and and we decided at that point um, to you know ties and 10 percent ties and offering. That was a foregone conclusion, 
And, and offering, or tithes, I should say. Offerings was, you know, you're over and above that. But at that point in time, we decided that we would do a 10% tithes and offering, and a, or 10% tithes and a 5% offering. And we have done that from, it's been plus 25 years. And um, it, it, it's not, we didn't do it as, oh, I'm going to get a blessing, and, and was not sitting back waiting to win the lottery. Um, you know, it, it, it was, that was what we felt that it, God had laid on our heart. And, that's, and, and from that point on, um, as, as pastor, when Pastor asked me to do this, I, I looked back and we started, you know, writing some things down of what happened. And you just you don't realize how blessed you are until you start putting it down. Um, six years ago, um, in, I was um, a, the company I worked for was being bought out by another company, and at that point in time, um, they said that my position was no longer needed, and that, that and that they had given me the letter, and I just threw it away. I, I just like three months ago, I threw the threw the letter away. Um, that said that December thirty first, two thousand fifteen, you you were no longer needed at this company. So this was in June. I kind of knew what was coming on, and um, it, 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 it was a shock. You know, you've been there for 20-some 20, 20 years, and um, the, the way that it happened is that there were two divisions of this company in, in here in Fort Wayne, and the division I worked for was being absorbed and sent to different, um, different places. And I was, I was able to transfer in October from one division to the other, and as a, and at a, kept my kept the same job, the same work. We had always done the work for that second division, and so they just they just opened up a position, and I moved over um, with a pay increase, and it it you know it, it it just it just happens. You know you 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 don't I don't know you it, it just it just did, and 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 um, God has blessed us in many other ways. That we, you know, that's that is a big part of, of my life. I, I I enjoy what I do is at work. If, if work is is a big part of my life. Um, it, when I look back over other things, you know, they're, they're immediate. Um, that was kind of an immediate thing. Um, other ones, other blessings are, you know, they take a little longer. We have, I think we're we're running on like a five or six year consecutive. Um, medical expenses between different um, back surgeries, foot surgeries, um, appendix, um, different things where we have maxed out our max out-of-pocket insurance every year. And how you, you can budget all you want, and, but how do you absorb, how does your budget plan or absorb that? But at the end of every year or at the end of the month, um, my wife is like, well, it, it, it's taken care of. It's done. And we, um, it's, it's, it's just those things. It's not that you're, you're sitting back going, okay, I did my part. You, you do it, and it just, and it just happens. You, you, um, it, and uh, the, the one thing that um, I've heard over and over again is that you can't outgive God nor can you outpinch God. And if you tighten it up, he can tighten it up too. And um, 
it's, it's not ours. You know, he is, he's allowed us to do this, and you, you have to just give it back to him. As Brian was talking about King Solomon, my mind went to when King Solomon became the king. It was customary for when kings would take take over the throne that they would give a sacrifice of, of a bull. And we see King Solomon, how blessed he was. God just abundantly blessed him in many ways. And well, King Solomon, he didn't follow the customary uh, offering to God of, of one bull, but instead we see 1,000 bulls that were offered. He gave an extravagant offering to God when he came in. And we see God blessing him in, in abundant ways. And, um, man, I just think that's awesome. Thank you for sharing today. We're going to have uh, another uh, brother, Bill Becker, is going to come. And, and I, I know he has uh, so many things he could share. And uh, I wanted to have him come and just share what the Lord has done for him. Thank you, Pastor. Um, the pastor, like the pastor said, I've had so many things over the years where God has been faithful. But uh, so I had to, Pastor asked me to keep this to five to seven minutes, so my wife is timing me to let me know. But uh, I, the Lord actually gave me a message in the early 90s, and it was called, Where is Your Faith? And the, the key scripture in that was Malachi uh, 3.10, which says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that ye may be meat in mine house. And prove me now wherewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, what the Lord showed me in that is this. We... Each one of us, by faith, it's this, that we are saved. We have our salvation. We, we are baptized by faith. And in that faith, we know that we're going to heaven. But the only place in the whole Bible that tells us to prove that faith is in tithes and offerings. And if you can't prove God, you know, where God says, prove me. See if I won't take care of you. If you don't have enough faith to give tithes and offerings, then how do you know that your faith that you're going to heaven is any good at all? And that was something that stuck with me for years. So, you know, salvation and faith, they go together. And, and uh, one of the, I, I could, like I said, I could spend hours talking about all the different blessings that God's given. So I had to write down a few. Um, and I'm going to start from things that are current and then go to things that have happened years back. In, uh, in 2019, uh, when the people that have been here a while know with Jackie and I got divorced, uh, I gave her half of my 401K. I had several people tell me not to because she had never worked out of the house or never done anything to bring any income into the house. But every time I prayed about it, the Lord told me to give that. And at that, so, and 
When we were divorced in 2019, half of what was in my 401k was 20, I had $54,000. So 20, I, uh, after that, that split, there was only 27000 Last On Friday, I looked at my 401k. There was $74,000 in that. In less than two years, it's almost doubled. And that's, that's, that's God. Because I, you know, it's not, I don't play the markets or anything else. I just let it, I put the money there, let it go. God's multiplied it for me. Uh, in the year and a half since Belva and I have been married, we have paid off $8,000 worth of credit card debt and a $10,000 uh, second mortgage. All of which, you know, and the second mortgage was a 10-year second mortgage that I paid off in less than three. All of these things God provided for, and he made a way. Now, if I go back to older things, in I learned a principle. that There's a principle in this, in that scripture. There's a principle for when you do have hard times. If you are faithful, you can go to God and say, Lord, you know I've been faithful. And I had that happen in 2008. In 2008, I got a, um, had a bill that came, uh, well, a tax, unexpected tax bill and another bill that had came that I got, and I didn't have the money, and I didn't have enough coming in to pay that extra money. And on Tuesday night, or Tuesday morning, I was praying over my bills, and I said, you know, I said, Lord, I don't have this money, and it was due that week. And I said, I don't have this money. But you know, Lord, that I have been faithful in my tithes and offerings. And your word tells me that you will make a way, that you'll provide a blessing. And I, and, and I prayed specifically that verse. That was on a Tuesday. On a Thursday, I had a gentleman come to our door with a check for $1,000. It was enough not only to pay that $800 bill, it paid the tithe, and there was extra money left. That's the way God wants to bless us. That's the way God wants to. But, but we need to understand the principles. There's principles there that God teaches us to use that in the Word. Um, okay, uh, two th- let's see. In, in the same period of time, and, and God has blessed me now. Financially, I'm better I, uh, than, than ever I've, I've ever been. But in 2001 to 2003... I had three years running that I earned less than $25,000. And I had four kids, four or five kids still in the house at the time. God made a way. There was at least twice during that period of time, the house was, we'd gotten behind on house payments, and they got foreclosure notices. But at the same time, we spent time, when those came, God, each time, God provided miraculously to help us get that, that out of foreclosure. We weren't completely out, out, caught up, but we were out of foreclosure where we could continue making the house payments. Now I'm going to go way back. When Sherry and I, the first time that Sherry and I went to Haiti, we, this would have been 1984. No, 1986. We went on a trip three different, well, Sherry went three times. I went twice to Haiti on, on mission trips. The first time we were supposed to go on a mission trip, we had gotten initially the, enough money together 
to pay for the tickets to go to Haiti. But we still had to have pay for the hotels and everything else. And we didn't have the means, but the Lord kept... Um, and we were praying about it. We'd had people sponsor us. And we were supposed to leave for Haiti um, on the 4th of January. Um, somewhere around Thanksgiving, we still had over $800 that we needed. And, you know, it, it was somewhere around Thanksgiving when I was praying, or when we were praying, that the Lord showed me to him there was no difference. And in that time, I'm thinking, $800, that's a lot of money. And, and Lord, and in my, my, my uh, human mind, I'm thinking $800 is a lot. But I kept saying, and, and at one point, the Lord showed me when we were praying that there was no difference to him to $1 or $1,000. And I shared that with Sherry. And we, we continued to pray. And here it was. It, we went through Thanksgiving. We still didn't have the money. Went through Christmas. We still didn't have the money. We, got to, we went to church, the New Year's Eve service at the church that we were going to at the time. And we were praying. And we are supposed to leave in four days. We still didn't have the money. And we were praying about it. And at the end of the service, the pastor came up and handed me an envelope. When we, when we got out to the car, I opened that envelope. It was a $1,000 check. It was enough for the... It was enough to pay for what we needed for the, for the trip, plus we had $200 for spending. Finally, the last thing I want to share is God is so, he's so personal. He can answer something very, you know, he, I've seen him do so many different things in that area. Uh, the last thing I, I wanted to share was uh, um, when it was between Billy we had just my oldest daughter at the time, and we had a garden. I was out of work, and uh, we were on food stamps. And, you know, at that time, we pray, when we, we tithed, even back then, we tithed on everything. We even tithed on the food stamps. And we went to the grocery store to, uh, to purchase, we went to get groceries and which, uh, one of the things that she need, Sherry needed was a bunch of celery, because she was. But we had a garden, and the following week, she was supposed to go over to a fr- friend's house from church, and they were going to can tomato soup, and they needed celery for the for the uh, recipe. So uh, we went to we went to a, uh, the grocery store, got home, and went through stuff, and had forgotten their celery. We didn't even have enough money to go back and buy. We'd, we'd used up the food stamps, didn't have the money to go back and buy a bunch of celery. So right there and then, we prayed and asked the Lord to provide a bunch of celery. That Sunday, a lady from the church, after service, told Sherry to go in. There was something in the refrigerator for her. It was a bunch of celery. Now, it wasn't just a bunch of celery. It was just enough for what she needed for that soup. We got to go to eat dinner with her about three, four weeks later, and she was telling us, she said, this lady, the Lord used her to give food away all the time. She was on Social Security, and she, everybody around Warsaw knew her as the cookie lady. But that woman had two freezers in her apartment, and God would, she just used, God used her to give, give food to people. She said, well, it was really funny that when the Lord was 
speaking to her about getting a bunch of celery, normally if she's going to give something away from God, she was going to give the biggest, nicest bag, uh, bunch. And she picked up this huge bunch of celery, and the Lord checked her spirit. She put it down, and she picked, picked, and the Lord told her to pick up a smaller amount. It was just enough for that soup. That's how specific, how God loves us and protects us and is there to hear our answer our prayers if we talk to him about it. Thank you. Amen. I know we have some of our Sunday school classes are coming back in. That's all right. I want to I make sure we get to one more. I have one more testimony that I want um, Bill Miller to share with us today. What God has done for him, how God has blessed us. Amen. I'm thankful. Amen. That we serve a God that, that is personal, that he knows exactly what you need today, and God is able to provide. Amen. Most of you that know me know that um, I am a big talker, and I love to talk, but I hate to do it in front of people. So... Bear with me. Um, again, the pastor said keep it to five to seven minutes, and as much as I like to talk, it might be a little tough for me. But I'm gonna I'm gonna start the opposite way that Brother Becker started. I'm gonna start when my wife and I first got married. Um, we'd both been divorced already, living the American dream, right? High in credit card debt, and didn't think anything about it. Get in church, get married, and the Lord started convicting us of what we, our lifestyle of spending money and um, thousands of dollars in debt. My wife came to me one time. She worked outside of the home. I worked both full-time, both very successful. And when I say successful, that means we had to work a lot and to maintain. And she said, the Lord laid it on my heart. We need to start paying our tithes. And we were new in the church and didn't know that that was an issue. But men are not as sensitive as women when it comes to the Spirit of the Lord, I believe. So I, I had to listen to what she had to say to me. We had a long discussion, and being as analytical as I am, I thought there's no way. We're living paycheck to paycheck. We are not going to be able to make this happen. So I get out of my comfort zone. We make it happen. First check every time that I would sit down to pay the bills or get my paycheck would be our ties checks. And we made it happen. And for us, um, for me anyhow, faith is an adjective. It's an action verb, right? And you don't know how good your faith is until it's been put to the test. So we're living paycheck to paycheck. We're paying our ties. We're making a way. And we get to the point where we have a week. There is no money left for groceries. None. Not knowing what we're going to do. And there was a sweet elder in this church, still comes here today. And um, we're at home, we're talking about our finances. Get a knock on the door, I go to the door, and here's this sweet elder, and she has all these groceries for us. She says, I don't know what's going on, but the Lord laid it on my heart that I was supposed to pick all these groceries up for you guys. That's how personal God is. The same week, the same hour that we had the need, he provided. He provided. We have been lucky enough or blessed enough now that we've been able to replicate that time and time again for other people in our church from her one example. 
So not only do I get to talk about being blessed myself, but I also get to talk about being blessed by blessing others from her example. Um, And then, just like God, when you think that everything's going well, he wants to throw something else in there. And I come home from work one day, and my wife says, we need to talk, and she starts crying. She'd been fired from her job. Never, not had a job since she was 14. And I just said to her, I said, I'm at peace. And I said, honey, stay home. Draw your unemployment till it runs out, and we'll see what happens after that. I bet we're going on 20 years now. She's not worked outside of the home. God has made a way every time we needed something. He's made a way. Fast forward a few years. Um, Most of you know me from the Pizza Hut. I loved that job. I loved everything, the benefits that it did for our family. And again, it allowed Devet to stay home because the Lord blessed us. And um, we prayed over that business many times back in 2019. I went into the office for a regular monthly meeting. And the new vice president says, well, Bill, we've decided we don't need you anymore. And I was perfectly at ease. I had no fear, no um, worries. I just knew because my faith said, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be good. My family's going to be good. God is going to make a way. And he did. He did. I get in my car. I'm driving home. I I wasn't down the road five minutes before my people started calling me because they had already started calling my managers. Um, I was an area coach at the time, so they wanted all my people to know what just happened. And I, I hang up from my first one. I said, I can't talk right now. I haven't even told my wife. And I've already got people on the phone with me. So I call my wife and tell her what happened. And she's immediately in fear of what we're going to do, right? And it's like, honey, it's going to be okay. God would not put us in this situation if it wasn't going to be okay. When I get home, we start talking, and she says to me, Bill, I've been praying for a change. <laughs> so we, we, the change didn't work like she expected it to, but it worked. And, and I just knew that when the right job offer came along, it would be the one. And with all the people that I knew from Pizza Hut, all the opportunities I had to meet people, the job opportunities started coming right away. I was able, for the first time ever, I took four months off of work and waited for the right opportunity to come. And the right opportunity came, two in the same week. So I had two offers I had to make a decision on that both felt right. And God pointed me in the right direction, and I was at peace with what that was supposed to be. So in my whole life, God has always made a way. It's not always been easy, but he's always made a way. Always. No matter if we were out of food or money, I always have enough. And we learn to be content with what we have. And when you're content with what you have, God will give you more than you desire. And that's the important part that we have to remember. Be content Be happy and trust 
in God because he will make a way no matter what. He will make a way. Amen. That perfectly sums up what this has all been about, about the blessed life. And we are content. Amen. But as we give, amen, the Lord, he does, he does want to bless you. He does want to open up the windows of heaven. Amen. And let it rain down on us. Amen. I'm thankful that this church has been blessed. I'm thankful that we are a blessed people. Amen. Jesus name. We're going to have, um, sorry, we're going to have Brother Josh come up and we have uh, several things, several uh, things we're going to pray for. I was say, there, there he is. I, say, I know, I knew you, uh, you had one thing that you were going to mention as well. One, I, he just has one quick announcement. I was, 